0: Hey there, campers, and welcome to another episode of Trailer Talk with Ryan, a podcast where we talk all things camping and cycling. So merge into the traffic, set your cruise control, and enjoy the show. Hey there, campers, and welcome to another episode of Trailer Talk with Ryan. I'm Ryan, this is my trailer, and I'm talking. Joining me in the trailer today is a friend, a mentor, and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, Jason Yoda Aven. jason thank you so much for coming on the show today
1: well thank you for having me ryan this is awesome yeah i'm happy to be here
0: well thank you thank you I'm, i'm glad uh so how how have you been it's been a while since we've talked
1: um yeah well yeah i mean it's we've been it's been pretty good um it's been a hectic year sure um and uh I've never been busier than in my life. And, uh, <laughs> well,
0: that's a good thing though.
1: Uh, <clears throat> well, you know, it's, it's funny cause we were, you know, we're all with all the current, with the current environment and, um, and, uh, and everyone unable to do the normal things that they have normally been doing all their lives. And, and so, you know, which is vacationing or going out and doing stuff. So- um, feeling that they've got those uh bad energy that they needs to get moving that uh the bike industry has actually been very um been very good to me this year so good
0: yeah yeah, yeah all, all of our friends that are in the industry either shop owners or or working for the manufacturer everybody has said this has been just a gangbuster year everybody's has surpluses mm-hmm. and paying off debts and everything the only bad thing is uh everything, all the product is, uh, running out. So,
1: uh, yeah, there, there is that, but the products coming in, it's just, it's, it's not coming in as quickly as we'd like it to be.
0: So. Sure. Sure. Well, that's a good problem. I mean, of all, of all the problems <laughs> in
1: the industry, that's, that's a great problem to have. <laughs> like clearing out the old and getting and bringing in the new and, um, and then it's selling through. And right. it's really been awesome. And okay. so, sorry, my cat decided she, he wanted to jump on the windowsill and he actually missed. <laughs> so now I got to figure out, and that's an unusual thing. So I'll we'll have to figure out what to do with him. Right. So, um,
0: you can put him in your lap so, and just pet him like uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, geez. <clears throat> So, uh, so you're talking about you know things being different out there. You're is is Morgan Hill? Is that considered your Southern California?
1: Say that again.
0: You're you're in Southern California, right? Or is it Central?
1: What's no, it uh, it's actually it's actually considered Northern. But we're in the I'm in the Bay Area,
0: Oh, okay. so I'm
1: an hour south of San Francisco.
0: Oh, I got gotcha. you. I couldn't remember exactly where where it was. Yeah, so I can imagine how how different it is out there. Yeah, my brother's he's in uh, Oregon and, and tells me all the stories. So it's definitely uh, the like the the um, the restrictions and whatnot are you know they differ so differently by you know by each state. It's uh, kind of wild. Hey there, cyclists! Do you enjoy leg cramps and bonking while on the bike? If so, CarboRocket Rocket is not for you. But if you want to stay hydrated and energized on even the most grueling of rides, CarboRocket has you covered. They offer multiple products, each with a light taste that is easy on the most sensitive of stomachs. As a bonus, I am giving both of my listeners a chance to save 25% on their next order at CarboRocket.com. All you have to do is use the discount code ROCKETCLUB. If you want to get more out of your next ride, put some rocket fuel in your bottle. Head on over to CarboRocket.com and use the code ROCKETGLOOM. 25% off your next order. CarboRocket. Feel smarter, go farther. Hey campers. While I enjoy new boot goofing and having fun on here, I'd like to take a moment and talk to you about something important to me. Each year, over 6,300 veterans commit suicide. That is more than the number of all the service members killed in action since 1990. If you're a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, connect with the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press the number 1. A trained responder will answer your call and ask you a few questions. You can decide how much you want to share and support doesn't end with your conversation. Their responders can put you in touch with local resources after your call. The Veterans Crisis Line is a free, confidential resource that's available to anyone, even if you're not registered with the VA or enrolled in VA healthcare. The caring, qualified responders at the Veterans Crisis Line are specially trained and experienced in helping veterans of all ages and circumstances. Their number, again, is 1-800-273-8255. Then press option one. Well, with the you know with the 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 boom in the in the in the in the industry i sound like elmer fudd um it it makes me kind of you know miss being in the industry and and working with you and and everybody else it was it was so much fun you know especially working with you you know when tiffany brought me in and let me you know follow her around um i learned so much by you know uh going out to the shops with you and and, and hearing the perspective from the manufacturer side. Um, and I know I was a, a total rookie, so I'm sure it was a, a lot of work for you. But I, I, I really had a lot of fun and learned a lot.
1: So. Well, if, if I had gone out and visited with you four years prior, I probably would have been an absolute wreck. Um, <laughs> going out there, I've been, I've been doing enough events and doing enough stuff and visiting with enough dealers and and work and i've worked with a few other reps and so having you and tiffany to work with when i was out there um was easy for me you may have not been as easy for you um but um but it was the but i i just felt that i mean i usually when i'm out on the road or visiting with dealers or i'm at an event I, I, there, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm in a shell, but as soon as the, you know, the first person I see comes in and we start talking then it just seems to, seems to open up for me. And, sure. uh, I, I just tend to be in my element. And I think that partially comes from my, always more than, than anything. So, okay. um, being always front facing,
0: right. right. Yeah. Now you've been at Cali, uh, Cali protectives, um, for over 10 years now, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it'll be technically it's, um, January 18th is my 10 year anniversary. So I got a little nostalgic about that the other day. So, (laughs)
0: yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's, I mean, that's, and, and that's a big deal. I mean, 10 years at the, the same company uh, in the cycling industry, that's, that's something to be proud of. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, it's been, it's twice now that I've spent 10 years with the company or, well, close to 10 years uh, or more. Um, the first time was with a bike shop um, called Livermore Cyclery, which recently was sold. Mm. um in the last year um and but now cali so and it's been a heck heck of a ride
0: yeah well that's great i mean they they know what they have in you so I'm, i'm sure they're not uh i'm sure they're very happy to to have you there as well um so now you have i mean just over the course of the the few years that i've known you you've you've moved up uh within cali now you're the are you the the manager over all the sales? Is that what uh, what's the title now?
1: Um it's essentially it's the inside sales manager. There's a national sales manager above me. And we we haven't really think, we we're not big fans of titles at the company. Sure. So it's either a sales leader, inside sales manager, however you want to call it. But I run the inside team and he and the national sales manager runs you know make sure that i do my job but he also runs the outside team so but in a way we kind of co-manage the sales but ultimately he's you know he's the he's the guy in charge but it's you know i've been it's been a lot of fun um i thought i'd have a few more people working with me this year but um we kept it tight this year um to, uh because we were supposed to possibly replace me in the for an inside person or add another add an extra element to the inside team and i think we'll we'll do that in the next year but um but that's well you know it's yeah i and that that promotion was back in back in march so okay. <laughs> so that, sure. that was um <laughs> you know what happened right tomorrow. yeah right <laughs> when it was uh
0: spooling up and going crazy yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. so so what's uh what's what's it looking like for the next uh you know one to three years for cali uh you know you guys had a big boom year as far as um uh sales um what's you guys's plan for what's hopefully going to be post-covid years um you know moving forward i I know you guys had some well, some new models come out.
1: Well, I mean, Cali's you know w- w- is growing. Um, we've added some new people um, internally to help um, drive the product up a level, make it look a little bit more upstream, um, and that part of that starts with just working at the product itself and the overall packaging. We just got these new gloves that they just announced um, uh, earlier this month. The, uh, that I'm really big fans of. One of them is called the Mission, and the oh my goodness, I can't remember the, the other <laughs> one we got. But um, but the packaging looks really really cool. And one of the things that I'm really happy about is that we actually put the size on the front of the gloves. Uh, whereas in the past years past, we'd always put the size on the back. And so that just spells um, that we're going to be doing a lot of good things moving forward um, with uh, the overall product presentation. And having better product presentation makes it that much easier to to sell the product. It's going to be great for selling to the dealers. And then their reorders, I think because the dealers are going to sell through it because it makes it easier for them to sell, we'll be able to have a, a better sell through both internally and with our dealer base. I think it's because the because of all the overall presentation. And because sure. of that, um, you know, I look forward to the next year, to the next three years, to the next ten years with us with Cali and seeing where we're we're headed. Um because we're constantly looking to improve. We're not um we're not satisfied with where we're at and, um, and we're, um, um, eternally always looking to see what we can do to both, whether it's the product or whether it's within the team and how we can change to grow, to make a, to make a better experience for ultimately the customer and the dealer.
0: Well, you know, with, I I never realized how different helmets were until um until you know until uh Tiffany brought me in and I started learning about um your guys's helmets and all the you know I I just didn't realize how much technology was in them and then you know of course obviously I started wearing them and in the past I I, 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 black out and go unconscious, uh, quite easily. And since I wreck a lot, um, I was always blacking out and always going unconscious. So I remember the kind of like the aha moment I had. Um, we were, uh, riding out at uh, Coldwater in Anniston, Alabama, and it's got a, you know, it's a real fast, uh, descending trail. And I was wearing a, um, a full face Cali helmet. And I, uh, I was, I I jumped this uh, little kicker that um, uh, kind of skips over the trail and you land back, back on the trail. So you kind of cut the trail a little short and I was going 32 miles an hour. And I know I was going 32 miles an hour because I went back to the, um, like my Strava and saw where I was, you know, you see this, the speed um, graph, and then it just goes to zero. So (laughs) right before it went to zero, it was like 32 miles an hour. And so I was midair. I, I clipped a tree with, uh, my handlebar and I just hit the ground so hard and just tumbled. Like, you know, I, I, I make the distance longer and longer every time I say it's like a fishing story, you know? So after a quarter mile of rolling down the hill, uh, I, you know, I came to a stop and I was, I was still conscious and through the whole wreck, I was conscious. It was so surreal because I would see the sky and then the ground sky, you know, just repeat, repeat, repeat. And, and as I was going, as I was rolling down the trail, I was like, this is amazing. Like, I, I haven't blacked out yet. This is so weird. And then I was like, ow, like this hurts. Like, I hope I stop rolling soon. Um, So after, after that, uh, wreck that experience, and I got banged up really bad. It was, it was hard to get back on the bike, but, um, I was just like, okay, like I am never wearing another helmet other than, you know, other than these callies. And it's, uh, I've become like a, not a prophet, you know, whatever the person that goes in and preaches, you know, to people in the corner. But so every time I get a, a chance to talk helmets to anybody, um, I tell them that story and, and tell them, you know, if you, if you love your kids, you'll give them a Kelly helmet, but, uh,
1: uh I, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, I too became a disciple, uh, um, of the brand. And before I actually became part of Cali, um, the, for the longest time helmets were, you know, when you look at advertising for helmets, all they talked about was ventilation, <laughs> yeah. um, retention systems and they talked about the <clears throat> talked about the um, uh, uh, what was it um, oh the ventilation retention system and how light it was and they'd always talk about the Kevlar or carbon fiber cage that's inside the helmet mm-hmm. and pe- and they the marketing used it as a way to um, he this is how it keeps the helmet together um, in case of a crash the reality is is that the, as helmets were getting more ventilation and they're having, having more of the cages put into the helmets and it, it was initially there to put in there to pass for testing because of the of the the rules that they're there they do multiple impact tests and in order for these helmets to pass testing they had to put those cages in so um, but none of it really made any sense to me cuz I'm sitting there on the retail side and I'm talking to a customer, you talk about aha moments. My moment was when I was selling the product I was in the store and then people were asking like, what's the difference between this $40 helmet and this $200 helmet. And I was like, more ventilation. And I was, I couldn't believe I was repeating this garbage, <laughs> uh, better ventilation, better retention system and a little bit lighter weight. Oh, and it's got the carbon fiber or Kevlar cage in it that makes it, makes it so much better in case you have an impact. And then I come to Cali and I learn about the product, about being smaller, lighter, softer. I mean, light, uh, lighter, smaller, softer. And the lighter one is just because it's a byproduct of what we do to make the helmet softer. Because we, Because Brad, who's the founder of our company, will always say that he believes helmets inherently are too hard. Our testing standards haven't changed. Since the 1970s, when they were dropping cadavers down, um, uh, what? Cada- yeah, they that's how they tested. I mean, where do you get 300 Gs? Is when you they were dropping cadavers down these elevator shafts, or at least that's what um, I believe it was. And they they determined that, uh, that at at 300 G forces, a skull cracks, and so that's why you look at all the testing standards. And it says that, you know, your the helmet has to pass the 300g force test. If it doesn't, then it's going to fail. And, but there's not That's but insane. all it deals with, no kidding. But these are the testing standards. So it's great that they had the testing standard in the 1970s, <laughs> but there's no, there's not been any real changes to the testing standards since the 1970s. There's a lot of research being done on how to make a better helmet and I would, and this is where Cali comes in. There's other companies that have been looking at it, but Cali's the first company that came out and actually said, tried to market and sell um, protection as protection, not as, in, not as an art piece. And right. the helmets were, the helmets in the beginning, some of the graphics were questionable to some people's standards. Um, they were a little off. They had a weird look but we still had the consistent message of lighter, smaller, softer. Mm-hmm. And, and that all started with the making the softer EPS foam. And, uh, by doing that, it allowed us to slow down that energy before it got there. Now, um, there's been statistics over the last decade that we've been looking at and, you know, they tell us that, you know, there's. Yeah, we still test for that 300 Gs, but where can you get a concussion? Well, you can get a concussion. I believe it's at around 75 Gs. Okay. And we, but like 80% of your impacts are over 100 G forces. And so we we're like, the testing center is 300, but you can get Your brain can get racked at 75 and 80% of your impacts are 100 Gs. This doesn't make any sense. So we're looking to constantly make softer material, softer foam. We're adding the LDL technology to the helmets right. that make it so much more, not only comfortable, but allow for us to deal with um, linear and uh, oblique impacts.
0: Right. Yeah. Or
1: I... as, 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 lo- as a lot of people say, rotational. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, but the, it, I'll, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but the one thing I would say is if you want to understand how we believe in the, the full combination of adding softer foam and LDL, all you have to do is go back to the 2015 um, Ram, Red Bull Rampage with Nikolai Rigotton yeah with his crash there. In whole, and it, that's the very first helmet that Cali ever produced that had the LDL in it. And uh and you saw the results of that right. He didn't win, of course, but he got up after that, that massive crash. Yeah, that was and insane and it was remarkable. Yeah.
0: yeah. So not not too much unlike my rec, Uh a lot of people compare the two. Um mm. <laughs> you went down a cliff huh <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, i don't you know i don't like to brag on my on my rides how big i go but uh it, it's it's, it, it's 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 like red bull rampage um just different so that's that's my riding um so i love all the the technology and and safety that's put into the helmets um what about uh, you know, again, you know, moving forward for next year, um, you guys, you know, you you said you're making all these um, changes and improvements. Uh, what about the, the color schemes of the helmet? And the reason I ask is because I really miss that. Um, I think it was called graffiti or something like that. It was just like insane, wild, um, you know, print on the helmet. Um, and, and in general, you know, a lot of the helmets that you guys have are, A little more conservative on on the 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 design are you guys uh making changes there
1: um there's some um it's an interesting question and and it's not a i don't know the full answers of where we're going with the color schemes i do know that we went more conservative a lot more solids um and a lot of it comes down to current case or what's out there in the in the market. And so, because there's a lot of people that want to color match and and with their bikes or whatever it may be. Now, if you look at the some of the new gloves, when if you go online and you, when they release the images of the 21 product, which I hope is soon. You'll see some of the stuff. We're going to be color matching the gloves and the helmets together, and there's, and, and it's going to allow for all of that. The, 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 rea- the, the, the reality as far as color choices go, um, there's people that are better educated in that than me to say what we should or shouldn't do. Uh, I know we voiced our opinions. And we do get dealers telling us what they're looking for and what they're hoping we continue with and, and we do send that information forward. But at the end of the day, um, there's uh, some people that have made some really good color choices for the, for the, the company the last three years. and the helmets have progressively gotten better as far far as in my opinion, as far as the colors go, but more importantly, they have sold better at retail, and that to me is the most important part. Is it doesn't really matter to me what the color looks like, so long as it sells at for the dealer. Sure. And the dealers have been super happy with them. They get to dis- they actually get disappointed when we discontinue a color, and that but when a new color outsells everything, then they like yeah, they forget about it, which is. <laughs> I mean, and, and they'll still ask about something like, "I wish you had this," and "I wish you had that." But, and but we we were tr- trying to constantly keep it fresh um, as a brand, and uh, we usually sometimes there's a little carryover, but not this year. So this year we we ran out of almost all the. In fact, we ran out of all the 2020 product. Um, I believe by by October, maybe even September.
0: Wow. That's so, insane.
1: Yeah. The, that's... I mean, we brought some other stuff in. It's just and but you know but yeah, it's just the twenty-one stuff's gonna be it was supposed to be here uh in December. We'll start we're actually gonna start shipping to dealers in mid to late January.
0: Okay. That's great. I mean January's that's yeah. that's not too far away. That's That'll be acceptable. No. Yeah, <laughs> a
1: month late is a lot better than four months late. So yeah, I'm,
0: I'm absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, um, before we move away from uh, cycling topics, uh, I wanted to to ask you some questions because a lot of people have these same questions, and I know I had them when i was moving away from one career and into the to the cycling industry career um so the the first one is why why did you enter the cycling uh industry like what what was the uh, motivation there
1: um some reason i thought you would ask this question i right? um i had no motivation to get into the cycling industry um I moved from Maine to California and lived with my aunt and uncle uh, in Gilroy, uh, California. And my aunt was the on-site travel agent for uh, this company, and she she was assigned to specialized bicycles. And so, her nephew needs a job. Right, moves like, out here, and so. Within a month of moving to California, living with my aunt and uncle, I'm working as a temp in the warehouse at specialized. So that's oh, how I, that's how I got in. Um, I was hired on full time like nine months later. and but I knew I wanted more than just uh, than being cause I wanted to move up. I, I, I liked being in the warehouse and loved doing what I was doing with the guys but it was time to change and i wanted to do something in sales and it seems like that's a strong part of it in my within my family overall but i wanted to get into sales but i knew nothing about the bike industry so how i got uh, how i changed was to move from specialized into the retail side and uh, and and so i ended up working for a shop called livermore cyclery which i mentioned i almost lived, worked there for almost 10 years right yeah and um eventually i made my way over to cali but that's i mean how that's how i started
0: I'll be done. you just needed a job so uh, you can move out of your yeah. your aunt's house <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's you know pretty it, wild. it's
1: funny it's it, it it's really Quite remarkable that I ended up in the bike industry, but I the, I I was thinking about this the other day. I said, if you know how you, I believe a lot of times in fate sometimes or karma. Sure. And when and when I was in junior high, and I remember the girl April Delaware. She's like, I'm gonna be a female cyclist and huh. and I'm gonna be pro racer. And I'm like. There's no money in cycling, <laughs> right? And um, and I, I felt so bad about it. Um, late, a few years later, I mean, you know, years later. And then look at me now. I'm like, I've been in the bike industry for since 1993. So April March 28 years, and I I, I want to reach out to her and I'm just say, yeah, I. Thanks. I made
0: that comment to you. Now I'm I'm in the bike industry for 28 years. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. That's great. <laughs> so, um, uh, for for anybody listening, the like e- either one of my two listeners, um, if they decided they're like, hey, I liked because the, the, the way I got into it. As I was, you know, I was retiring from from the military, and I had just gotten into the mountain biking as an adult, and I was like, I like bicycles, I want to do bicycle stuff, and so, you know, I, I I went the the mechanic route and went to you know the school and whatnot, and took forever to find a job because anybody that's forty trying to get an entry level job at a bike shop is is not wanted usually, um, and so. So anybody, you know, thinking of, of whether they're a kid right out of high school or somebody that's tired of working uh, for the corporate world, do you have any advice for them?
1: Um, going open minded, going humble, and going ready to learn, because um, yeah, and just so you know, no one's a rock star um, when you come in, and the when and the minute you become a become really good, stay, stay humble, um, and just, just learn. I mean, the, and that's where I went into it when, um, so it was one thing to be working at specialized, but I really learned how to be a, to, to my overall professionalism in the bike industry, um, with, um, uh, being on the retail side, the and if there's something you're not comfortable with, you should learn it and go after it. And but also don't be afraid of being reviewed and saying, "Hey, these, you know, this is where you're you're lacking." Because if you don't know that you're lacking in certain areas, you're there's no you're thinking you're you're awesome. Right. And and there was no better there was no better, bigger wake up call for me when I went to Steve Howard, who was the owner of Livermore Cyclery. And I said, Hey, you know, I've been here nine months. I'd love to get a raise. And Steve goes to me and he goes, yeah, you're a little greener than I thought when I first hired you. And I said, I didn't tell you. I mean, we, we talked and I I never pretended to be awesome, but he's, um, he goes, you can't even adjust the hub. And, and I'm like, what? You can't even adjust the hub properly. And so I'm sitting there. You've got to be kidding me. So, and, and I'm a little dejected. I'm a little upset. I'm in the – it's like nobody bothered to tell me, but they're all telling, telling Steve that I suck. Oh, and, and the reality is – the reality was I, I did. I was not good. And so there was this guy named Ken and Ken took me under his wing, you know, crouchy, uh, mechanic. <laughs> right. Um, and he's uh, he, like, he's literally, you know, when, when it came to people person, this guy, you did not, you know, he wasn't great with people, but I always contended people, um, later on in years would, um, they like this guy's not a good person, you should fire him. And then they they go to work, and then they go to ride their bike and like this bike my bike has never worked better. Right. And then and then they complain and then they'd have somebody else work on and then they say, you know what, I'm gonna take the abuse and have Ken work on my bike. <laughs> and, and, and but Ken Ken showed me this. So my favorite tool is the Stein Hub adjusting tool. Nobody needs it anymore, um, unless you're working on department store bikes. I think because of the or some Shimano, me, Shimano whatever. That's yeah, Shimano hubs that have loose ball bearings, mm-hmm. and that's tool saves my kind of saved my life, and in in the bike industry that is, and because I learned how to adjust hubs, he showed me all these tools and showed me how to use them properly. Use it. And so the point is, is that don't be afraid to fail, but, but also don't be afraid to learn.
0: That's yeah. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah. I mean, and that's great advice for anything. So that's a uh, wonderful. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's, um, let's, let's dive deeper into the Jason Avon world. <laughs> 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 so uh, as I was uh Facebook stalking you uh to kind of prepare for this uh I found out that well and I I mean I already kind of knew but uh, I didn't I I didn't realize to what extent um comics and toy collecting uh how how big of a you know how how big uh of a part of a, your life that is um so when, uh, so I want to talk about that because that's like another, you know, that's like a, a huge hobby. Um, just like cycling that, um, is a great place to to spend money and time. So when were you, were you a child when, when that started or, you know, were you 30 or
1: I blame what? my, I blame my, I blame my mother. Um, and <laughs> she ever listens to this. She, she knows I do. So, right. Um, and my wife knows it too. Uh, the reality was, is, you know, being a child of this, um, you know, uh, this early seventies, early eighties, um, Star Wars and G.I. Joe was a big, big part of oh, yeah. my life. Um, especially Star Wars and Star Wars was my thing. And then Star Trek as well. And, but I had all the toys for Star Wars. I had all these toys from G.I. Joe and, um, Years later, when we, as a fan, you know, I moved to California, and then my family moved to California, and then I asked my mom, "Hey, where's the Star Wars stuff?" And she goes, "Well, I gave that stuff away." And I'm like, "You kidding me?" Oh no! She goes, "Yeah, I gave it away," and this is all the stuff from like 1977 oh, to 1984, geez. 85, and stuff like that. And I was like, "Oh," <laughs> and then, um, and uh, I was in Target, and I'm. Um, I said, Let's, I said, screw it. I'll go into the uh, toy section and there, lo and behold, is all these Star Trek action figures because I was also a big fan of that, that, that series as well. Sure. And The Next Generation was huge at that point and then also um, a, a series called The Next um, Deep Space Nine from Star Trek. So I'd be collecting this stuff. And at one point um, I had yeah, I had I had a lot, so and and it was start and I and I and then I started collecting some of the Star Wars stuff, and it just at one point it just overtook the garage and I started when I we bought the house I had pegboards and I put it all over, and um, and then I felt really trapped in my my in here, and so my wife and I looked at each other and and I a friend of mine had started a shop and I just said you want this stuff. And, um, wow. and well, like cause I started selling the pro the stuff. And then I got out of it out of selling after a few years.
0: So like you'd, said you'd it sell at shows or something.
1: Yeah. I went to shows and I sold a lot of good stuff. Um, because it, at some point, you know, you realize that I've had it, I'll get rid of it. And if I really want it back again, I'll go buy it again. So, okay. and so that's what you do. And, and uh the reality was is I looked at it and I said, This is stuff really cool. I'm just tired of cleaning it and and uh try to keep everything in package. I mean, I looked like a store in my office. It was <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then um the and this guy comes by and he goes, Yeah, he thought I'd have a box or two. Right. Um my wife and I boxed off boxed up the entire office. We took everything downstairs, and when he came by, I think I had 30 large boxes of stuff, cardboard boxes and plastic stuff. And he goes, oh, my God, I just brought my car. (laughs) And I said, he goes, I'm going to have to come back and bring my van. And I said, yeah, that's cool. And he goes, but I can't. I was like, I can't. I'm like, I'm a new store. I can't buy all this stuff. I said, why don't you just sell it and then pay me like on consignment? Yeah. And he goes, I can do that. And so that's how. And so I literally unloaded everything, but I still collect and I still have. Um, but I, t- I, you before I was always keeping things in the package. Now I don't. I just kind of dis display it now. But that, I, well, I, that, I, that I way you can play with it, it
0: right? You animal. lay down on the floor and and play with them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not really, but I, I know, you know there's people that do. Um, but I, I like the 3D element of it and just being able sure. to have it. And so I tend to get a little bit more on the higher end now um, with companies like Sideshow and uh, there's um, Tamashii uh, Nation from Bandai. So there's there's a lot of good stuff, but what I'm really getting into now is these high-end um, custom action figures. So, custom. You know. Yeah. So there's this company called DKE Toys and they're based out of Southern California. They distribute and distribute these custom made action figures. And how I was introduced to them is when I was selling toys, um you know my I had a business partner and we decided that hey but he told showed me this DKE booth that we should go check it out. And we're we're going looking at it, it's like oh my goodness you have know, these these custom custom 2d2 with a different name so so uh, what's
0: what's like what's custom what what do they customize
1: well they're taking they might actually either make completely new molds or they'll they'll uh, make a character at you know'll they'll, they'll sort of cross generation the character like um, there's I'm looking at it now. I got this these figures from this guy in the UK, and it's um, the I'm trying to remember the movie. I, I think it's uh, it you would say obey, where you put the sunglasses on, and their faces would have these alien looks on them. So huh. I I think it's No Fear or or whatever it might be. The or I forget the name of the movie. Sure, but uh, but it was. But it, it, it's sort of cross-pollinating uh, uh, characters. I, I just got one where it says Karate Wars, and it's uh, Mr. Miyagi as Yoda. And uh, <laughs> I'll send you a picture. It's, yeah, you got to. And yeah, it's, it's, it's classic. And then there's another one called Mark Camel, and it's actually oh. the card. So it's not just the figure, it's the card. And so Mark Hamill is—it's—it's a—it's a, it's a Mark—it's the Luke Skywalker, the Tatooine gear, but with a camel head, and it looks like the cigarette pack. Mark oh, Hamill. Oh my gosh! So it's Mark Hamill, and, and there's um, there's a lot of different ones that I got, and but I realized I was going to get a little overboard on it, um, so <laughs> I, I, I try to keep it. I try to keep it to a minimum now, but I got, I got quite a handful of those and
0: that's great. And then
1: I recognize that I went a little too, a little too far.
0: I mean, (laughs) who cares, man? It's uh, you gotta have fun. That's awesome. I I had no idea those were out there. And speaking of Mark Hamill or camel, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and this is going to be like a spoiler, but it's been a while. I don't care. Um, so I, you know we watched the the Mandalorian show which i'm sure you watch it oh. as well um mm-hmm. what was the deal with uh with Luke Skywalker coming back that i didn't like that I, oh
1: dude i loved it
0: well and Ugh. like i mean so like he but he's i thought he was dead so like oh. so it was like is he like
1: was that like a is he dead or is that was like a ghost or something well mandalorian is set um, I, I want to, I can't remember the timeline, but it's not, it's shortly after return of the Jedi. So the uh, new Republic. Yeah. So this is, this is probably 40, I think it's 40 years before the new movies. The, uh, and we'll, uh, we can get into that. Well, no, simple, but yeah, no, I, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I don't want to go too far into it because like, I, I know, I mean, I, I, I really enjoy Star Wars, but I'm not, you know, uh, I, I just don't know all the, the, you know, deep, deep timelines and all that stuff and stories. So, so I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, that makes more sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, it's so exciting to watch that show. And then, um, if you're a Star Wars fan and you want to Understand some of the little things they're talking about in the Mandalorian, especially in the the second season. I would tell, I would implore that you uh, watch both Clone Wars, yep, um, and this the TV series, the and animated Star Wars, one. yeah, Rebel, the animated one, and then Rebels, yes. And there's going to be something from both of them, and I and and it's funny. The animation, I was truly in love with, with Clone Wars. Um, it progressively got better mm-hmm. as time went on, and I just was wanting more and more when they announced Season 7, because I was at Comic-Con when they said they were they, – Dave Filoni was there, who's the creator of Clone Wars. And I think I was there – Was it, I can't remember if I was there for a Star Wars panel or if I was there. I think it was that. And Dave Filoni was there – and the reason why I can't remember is because Dave Filoni was also the creator uh, or the director, I don't know if he was the creator, but he's the director of Avatar The Last Airbender.
0: Hmm.
1: And um, which is a Nickelodeon thing. But I didn't realize that, but I, you know, I'm Star Wars, I'm like, oh I gotta watch Star Wars. <laughs> <Right>. And <clears throat> and he's also the he's also direct you know, in holding the direction of the Star Wars Rebels. The animation change it took a little getting used to but holy gosh that 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 series rebels mm-hmm. was on mm-hmm. real yeah i enjoyed so. it that was
0: great all right well so before this podcast becomes a comic con podcast um let's uh i wanted to uh, ask you also about um your 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 furniture building creating your woodworking mm-hmm. and uh I've even you know like I've seen um I think you made a, a this l-shaped table recently and and then I noticed like there was a a brand that you burned into it so um I thought you were just doing stuff uh, kind of like as a hobby around the house but it looks like you're kind of stepping up your game and making it making uh something more of it
1: um I don't know if we're doing that it was a gift from my wife it, um oh. i want to say it was christmas last year was the brand branding iron
0: okay. and uh
1: we and so we occasionally will make stuff and give it away and um we made um, um trays this year out of re- um recycled um wood and um either stuff we had laying around or we go find pallets and and uh cut them up and then we were able to get them all sanded planed
0: yeah.
1: and go from there but we you know when we're sending stuff out we want to make sure we we brand we brand it with our um with our iron uh and it's 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 cool we mm-hmm. uh to do something like that but the it's therapeutic for both of us it 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 keeps us interested and doing stuff together uh, and then but we also realize that sometimes it's there's too much and um, you know we'll make stuff little things for some people or if we find a need in the house and that's what we'll build
0: okay yeah it's so cool I I love working with wood I don't do it very often but uh, like you said it is a therapy and it's and it's so neat to to see the creation come alive.
1: Well, the, the, my favorite piece we ever made, there's two favorite pieces that I've ever made. One of them was the first one. And that was the coffee table that we still have today mm-hmm. where we took, we cut up three pallets and um, made it into a coffee table. And then there's a cushion to put our, it's sort of like an, uh, it's I I don't even know what you want to call it. Ottoman. So it's like half bottom and half coffee table. And um it, it's and it's on these big metal wheels that we can allow us to rotate them and uh, uh, push it out of the way. Yeah, the second okay. favorite piece was this, um so this these gals I know were getting married and they told me that they want they, you know, they and I said, you know, which what would you like? And and uh and they wanted to they wanted us to me to make something for them, and I said I'm not until you get married, and because uh, I don't want you guys to fight over whatever it is. And so, <laughs> which technically yeah, they still so, could. <laughs> yeah, they could, but it's going to be a lot harder, right? Right. right. And, but they're two of my favorite people, Catherine and Dick, and um, the. Uh, We made this, my wife and I made this cabinet, and it allows them to put blankets in, and we put a little thing for the remote control, so it it actually has a door that lifts up and down, so you can put anything, so we didn't want it to just take the top off to be able to, and then put it back on, we wanted it to be able to lift up and put it down, but the really cool part, and I think we put it on the underside, is my wife tried DecoPod, and decoupage is taking printed letters or printed whatever, and then pasting it sort of with this glueish type material, and then you're taking the paper off, and the pr- imprint stays on.
0: Are these so like we, like a ransom letter?
1: Ransom letter.
0: Yeah, like when you cut out the like you know like when you take somebody for ransom and you cut out the letters out of a magazine to make the letter. The
1: you can well now well is it similar to that? No, no, what it is, it's, um, (laughs) it's this material, like you, you take the piece of paper and you wipe this, you, you swipe this material on it and, and it gets all wet, but it takes the ink that it leaves an imprint Uh, of the image and then you pull the paper off and the image is there. So what we ended up, so what we ended up doing and God, I wish I took, I, I, I had the picture somewhere, but I believe we put it on the underside and so, cause we put it in there, we put their last names, their last ah. name on there. And, and so, cause, uh, Vic took Catherine's last name. And when I said, make, I said, open it up and, uh, and they open it up and that's, they just, I think their hearts melt. I think there was a tear in their eye. I'm not quite sure. But no. It was that's great. to me was the great reveal was saying they in, um, I I, I I just wanted it to be kind of something cool and revealing, that and uh, and it, it just kind of worked out well. I hope they still have it. I don't know, and hope you know it. I don't know if it was one of my best pieces we ever made, but it was one of my favorite pieces we ever made. So
0: yeah, that's great. That sounds like a wonderful gift.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: All right. So. Well, it looks like uh, the time is running out, so I want to thank you again
1: so much. This was, this You're was, a, this
0: was a lot of fun and uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your, uh, your busy day of uh, <laughs> of vacationing. So it means a lot.
1: Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, I thought it was wonderful that you uh, um, thought of me and, um, and I'm glad I was able to be part of this today. It was, it was, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's great. All right, so uh, all you campers out there, if you have any questions or any topics you want uh, talked about, you can reach our giant staff of workers here at Trailer Talk with Ryan at trailertalkwithryan at gmail dot And until next time, keep on camping, campers. Supporting a loved one through a crisis can feel overwhelming, but responders at the Veterans Crisis Line can help. Contact them at 1-800-273-8255, then press option 1. Or you can text them at 838-255. Or chat online at their website, veteranscrisisline.net. If you don't talk, no one will listen trailer talk is brought to you by carbo rocket whether a weekend warrior or an ultra endurance athlete carbo rocket gives you the fuel you need to win it's all natural and gluten-free carbo rocket fuel smarter go farther